Hello, friends. Welcome to Trivia Over Tea, the quiz show podcast where we drink tea and play trivia. I'm your host, Matthew Cook, and I'm here virtually once again with our scorekeeper, Carter Zanke. Carter, how are you this morning? I'm great. I had some green tea to kick the day off. Oh, wonderful. So glad to hear it. Well, let's meet this week's contestants. First, we have Garrett. Hello, my name is Garrett. I'm thrilled to be back and I'm drinking Earl Grey this morning. Lovely. Thanks for being back, Garrett. And we also have Graciela. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Third time's the charm. Maybe I'll do better than the last two times I've been on here. Um, And this morning I am drinking some PG tea, some English breakfast tea to start the morning off. I have my trusty iced tea with me today, trying to wake me up this morning. Well, as with all of our regular episodes, we'll have four rounds of questions today, each with a slightly different format. And so without further ado, Carter will explain the rules for round one. Yes, as you may know, round one is our first general knowledge round with five multiple questions for each of you. I should share with 10 points each. All righty, Garrett, you're up first. Are you ready? Oh, gosh, I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. Question one. On April 20th, 1968, what father of current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was sworn in as Prime Minister of Canada? A, Brian Trudeau, B, Alexander Trudeau, or C, Pierre Trudeau? Oh, gosh. Brian Trudeau sounds very real, but so does Pierre. I'm going to go with Brian here. Brian Trudeau. It was actually Pierre. Oh, Pierre my Trudeau, gosh. Yeah, he was Prime Minister from 1979 uh, until 1979, I should say, and then again from 1980 to 1984. Dang. Question two. Which of the following can measure humidity? A, an anemometer, B, a psychrometer, or C, a barometer? I think that one's a barometer. <laughs> That's air pressure. Oh, actually, no. I, I was like, I know this one. I, I've heard of the barometer before. <laughs> yeah, that's that's air pressure. Um, the humidity is actually psychrometer. Um, and an anemometer, it measures wind speed. Dang, I got my psychrometer right over there. <laughs> <laughs> Question three. On April 20th, 2010, the Deepwater Horizon oil rig that was operated by what company exploded in the Gulf of Mexico? A, Exxon. B, Shell or C, BP? I got this one. This one's BP. (laughs) I was here for this one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) remember it well. Uh, The federal government estimates that over 200 million gallons of oil spilled into the Gulf of Mexico in what is considered the largest marine oil spill in history. Question four, which of the following is not a type of screwdriver? A, Torx, B, Tanaka, or C, Posidrive? Now, pause drive sounds like a type of screwdriver. That's just a screwdriver like name right there. Now, the torque and not has the word not in it, which could be a subtle hint for you, Matthew, that that one is not a screwdriver. I'm going to go with B here. That's correct. Yes. See? I knew. I knew, Matthew. <laughs> well, He's actually. Set design, like knowledge. That's <laughs> right. It was, it was in here. All those, all those theater years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My brother wrote this question and uh, did not provide me with an explanation. So we can only assume that your re- reasoning is exactly what he had in mind. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Mason. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> and finally, question five. The composer Karl Heinz Stockhausen premiered a string quartet that was famous for its elaborate performance requests. Stockhausen stipulated that the amplified string instruments must perform from A, four helicopters that were hovering in place next to each other. B, 
four specially made chariots that raced around a large arena, or C, a trailer pulled by a vehicle playing to an audience in a different trailer pulled by another vehicle driving down the same road. Oh my gosh, all of those are so elaborate. Yeah. I guess which one would I enjoy watching the most <laughs> would have to be the right answer here. Oh, it's either the trailers where you're driving together, but I feel like that kind of ruins the ambiance, but it is very elaborate. It's got to be the chariots. It's got to be chariots. <laughs> it was actually the helicopters. It was what? A, yeah, four helicopters that were hovering in place next to each other. That's so elaborate. I love yeah. it. <laughs> well, Graciela, are you ready for your five questions? As ready as I'll ever be, Matthew. Okay. Question one. What element is responsible for making the color blue in fireworks? A, copper, B, iron, or C, sulfur? See, I feel like I know this, but it's I'm not going to know the answer. Like, I should know this, but I'm not. So I'm going to go with B. Uh, it was actually A, copper. Uh, fireworks use a variety of chemistry concepts to not only propel them into the air, but also to make the different colors that appear. Question two. What was the name of the man who shot Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy, New York senator and former attorney general and brother of John F. Kennedy in 1968? A, James Earl Ray, B, Sirhan Sirhan, or C, John Hinckley? See, I think it's A, so I'm going to go with A. <laughs> uh, you're close. Uh, he actually assassinated Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, two months earlier. Um, in April 1968. Um, the correct answer was Sirhan Sirhan. Um, and uh, he shot Kennedy at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles on June 5th, 1968. I like the name. I think it's easy to remember, like in case you forget one of your first name or your last name, you know. It's there you go. <laughs> Question three. The only island in the Mascarenes not claimed by Mauritius is what French possession, whose capital and largest city is Saint-Denis, A, French Guiana, B, Mayotte, or C, Réunion, spelled reunion? See, I knew like 30% of the words that you used in that sentence, so I don't think that bodes well for my chances, but I'm going to go with B because I think it sounds cool. Well, you'll, you'll be shocked to know that um, Mason wrote this question. No way. Uh, yeah. Uh, the answer is actually C, uh, Réunion. Oh. Yeah. Or, of course it is. <laughs> yeah. Question four. What percentage of the world's population lives in the Northern Hemisphere? A, 70%, B, 80%, or C, 90%? I'm going to go with... 80% because I don't think it can be either of the other two extremes. So I'm going to go with a good middleman right here. So 80%. Uh, actually, it was 90%. Well, that means I'm wrong. So yes, <laughs> yes, that, yes that's correct. Um, yeah, 90%. And it's largely due to the fact that there is just so much more land in the Northern Hemisphere yeah. than the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. And like nobody lives in Australia or New Zealand. And then the vast majority of Africa is above the equator. And then South America is the only landmass that primarily sits below the equator. See, now that you say that out loud, that makes a lot more sense. For some reason, I thought there was a lot more right. below the equator. Yeah, well, and, and if you think China, and India, both located 
entirely above the equator. And so that's basically two and a half billion people right there. And then the US is third and we're completely above the equator and other, I think Indonesia is split, but then, you know, anyway, 90%. (laughs) And finally, question five, the composer Alexander Scriabin tragically died at the age of 43 in 1915 before he was able to finish his last work. This work, a week-long event, which he imagined taking place in a specially constructed venue in the Himalayas that incorporated art, music, light, and smell, was meant to initiate A, a world-ending apocalypse, B, a mass conversion to Buddhism, or C, the formulation of a new nation-state. I'm going to go with B, because I don't think anyone would try to create an apocalypse, but I mean, you never know, but I'm going to go with B. Uh, you never know. And uh, in fact, he was trying to initiate a world ending apocalypse. Well, you just can't account for taste these days, I guess. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. no you really you really can't. Um, well, that's the end of round one. So, uh, Carter, can you, please, <laughs> can you please give us a score update? Uh, we have Garrett with a lead of 20 points, uh, also having 20 points. Before I get to the audience question today, I want to make another appeal to our audience and see if anybody has any good ideas for round two categories for our future episodes. And I say round two specifically because I sometimes have a hard time coming up with round two categories, particularly when there's no big name birthday to ask questions about. So if you have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. And of course, I'll send you a sticker. And apologies to those whom I've promised a sticker and have not sent them. I will get on that, I promise. So, yeah. Anyway, now for the audience question. If you'll recall, last week we asked, what British prime minister, having served in that capacity during the Revolutionary War, is known as the prime minister who, quote, lost America? And the answer is Lord North. And my fun fact for this is actually a personal connection On either my first or second appearance on the local DC quiz show, It's Academic, we were at the end of the team-directed round, having gotten all the previous questions right, and we just needed to answer the last question correct to get the bonus, and the answer was Lord North. And I don't remember the whole question, but the ending set it up uh, saying that this person's last name is a cardinal direction. And so me not knowing the answer, guessed West, and of course, I was wrong. And so we didn't get the bonus, and it haunts me to this day. But I'm not bitter. Hello, Hillary Howard, if you're listening. At any rate, this week's question will ask, what German World War I flying ace shot down his 79th and 80th victims on April 20th, 1918, a day before he himself was shot down and killed. So have a think about that. Send me your answers for a chance to win a sticker, and I'll announce the correct answer next week. Alrighty, and now it is time for round two. So Carter, can you please tell us the rules? Uh, yes, round two will be our uh, round where you'll get open-ended questions. In this case, they'll be worth 20 points each. And if you go in wrong, your opponent can answer for 10 points. Um, you'll get five questions on these same topic here. Alrighty. Um... Well, I, I will preface this by saying that I think that I inadvertently wrote a really difficult round two for the two of you. So I'm just going to apologize for that. 
ahead of time. I think they're good questions though. So hopefully, hopefully you'll know something. Um, Garrett, you are going to get five questions about an, an actor born on April 20th, which is the date that this podcast will be released. Um, and that is Shamar Moore, born April 20th, 1970. Have you ever heard of Shamar Moore? Should have said Mason wrote all these hard questions for me, put it on him. <laughs> I, I should have, um, but uh, alas, I, I wrote them. So <laughs> anyway, here we go. Question one. Moore rose to prominence as an actor on what type of melodramatic serial daytime show? Well, it is a melodramatic serial daytime show. And I only have really seen so many of those. So Yeah, but what type? We're, what type? we're thinking general. Oh, genre, not a specific show here. No, yeah. I See, I originally wrote the question asking for the specific show. Uh, and then I was like, mm, maybe I should broaden it out a little bit. Oh, dang. Well, I was going to go with Grey's Anatomy because that's the serial daytime show that I... Oh, Graciela is saying no. <laughs> Graciela, you're, you're fighting against me. <laughs> well, I'll stick with my gut. Um, no, Graciela said no. It was a cop show. It was like... Uh, oh, uh, okay. Uh, no. All right. <laughs> that's, that's not correct. Was, uh, was I right with my, my first answer? No. no. <laughs> uh, Graciela? Can you repeat the question one more? Just one more time. Really yeah. Good. Moore rose to prominence as an actor on what type of melodramatic serial daytime show? Is it a soap opera? Soap opera, yeah. Um, he played <laughs> Malcolm Winters on the CBS soap opera The Young and the Restless, and he won the Daytime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series in 2000. Question two. In addition to the Emmy Award, his performance on The Young and the Restless garnered him eight image awards, which are given by what organization? I'm going to go with the Academy here. No. Graciela? No, I do not know. <laughs> uh, they're given by the NAACP. Hmm. Um, and he would earn a ninth NAACP Image Award in 2015 for another series, which I'm just about to ask about. Question three. Moore is also well known for playing Agent Derek Morgan on what FBI procedural series that concluded in 2020? Oh, come on. I totally nailed the first one then. It was a show about cops. He was in the FBI. <laughs> um, what is the specific show that concluded? Yes. Yeah, it ran for a while, like 15 seasons. Gosh, sure. does, like, does Law and Order count here? <laughs> uh, it does, but it's not the right answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Graciela? Um, he plays Derek Morgan on a show called Criminal Minds. That is correct. Yes, Criminal Minds. He was in the main cast for the first 11 seasons and came back as a guest in seasons 12, 13, and 14. It's a good show. Question four. Moore played Victor Stone slash Cyborg in what DC Comics animated film series? Teen Titans. No. Graciela? I have no clue. Uh, this was the Justice League, apparently. Comics is not my area of expertise, so we'll just leave it at that. And finally, question five. Moore owns a retail company called Baby Girl LLC, whose profits are used to help fight what incurable neurological disease? Oh, gosh. Incurable neurological diseases. Dementia. No. Graciela? I, I don't know. Uh, multiple sclerosis is uh, what it helps fight. Yeah. Uh, his mother had suffered from the disease up until her death in 2020. 
Well, this is going just about as well as I thought it might. Um, Graciela, uh, your questions, uh, because um, April 20th, 1610, um, was the uh, only eyewitness account of a performance of uh, Macbeth in Shakespeare's lifetime. So you're going to get five questions about the play Macbeth. I was in it, so this should go okay. I, I know, I know. So hopefully, uh, hopefully you remember some of it. Um, here we go. Question one. Shakespeare's source for the play is a historical account of Macbeth, king of what country in the 11th century? Denmark? No. Okay, cool. Garrett? Scotland. Scotland, yeah. <laughs> That's why it's called the Scottish play. Mister <laughs> should be so mad at me right now. Yeah, let's hope she doesn't listen to this episode. Um, yeah, the, the events of the play differ greatly from real history, but it is in fact set in Scotland. Yeah. Question two. The comical porter scene in act two may have been the origin of what type of jokes? Farce? No. Knock, oh no, wait, knock, 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 jokes. Um, well, I mean, yes, but you. I said it wrong first. Yeah. Yeah. She got um, there. Give her the points. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Why don't we just, yeah, we'll give you the points. Yeah. Thank we'll you so be, much for your generous. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Knock, knock jokes. Uh, the porter had been drinking heavily and rambles on while Macduff and Lennox knock on the door. The porter says, knock, knock, knock. Who's there numerous times during the monologue. Question three. During the banquet in act three, who reappears as a ghost and sits on Macbeth's throne? Give me a second. Banquo. It's Banquo. It is Banquo. Macbeth orders Banquo and his son Fleance be killed earlier in the act. Banquo is killed, but Fleance escapes the assassins. Yes, he flies. Fly, Fleance, fly. <laughs> yes, very good. Exactly right. Question four. In act four, the three witches say what couplet, one of the most quoted lines in all of Shakespeare, while they brew a potion for Macbeth to drink? Uh, double, double toil and trouble. That's correct. Fire, burn, and cauldron bubble is the second line. And finally, question five. At the end of the play, when Macbeth is killed in battle, who, became, who becomes king of Scotland? I know it's the son of the king who was killed, but I don't, rem I, it's not Malcolm, I don't think. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. You don't want to take a guess? I'll say Malcolm. But it is know. Malcolm. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Macduff walks on stage holding the decapitated head of Macbeth while Malcolm declares that order has been restored. Well, that's the end of round two. So Carter, can you please give us a score update? We have Graciela at 100 and Garrett at 30. You see, I, I thought that the, the Macbeth questions were going to go either one of two ways. Either you're going to remember Macbeth really, really well, or it was all going to be not there. So... See, it was probably like my favorite play that we did in high school because I got to okay. play one of the murderers, and like I That's felt very right. you were one of the murderers, very like powerful in that role. So I had to remember every single moment because I cherished it. Cherished <laughs> <laughs> your time as a murderer. I, I understand. Yes. <laughs> Well, now it is time for round three. So, Carter, can you please tell us the rules? 
Yes, round three is a lot like round two, but now the question's worth 30 points each. Your opponent can answer for 15 points if you get one wrong, and they'll be on multiple topics. All righty, Garrett, are you ready for your five questions? Yes, I am. <laughs> Question one. What interstate highway is the longest east-west interstate highway in Virginia that, in part, connects Richmond and the Hampton Roads area? Oh, my gosh. All right. It's east-west, so it's not 95. I'm going to go with 64. That's correct. It extends west all the way to the St. Louis area. Very good. All right. <laughs> Question two. What is the most common element in the human body? Um, it's water. That's not an element. H oh no. <laughs> Did I say do you want to guess an element? I'll let you guess an element. I think I think it's gotta go to Graciela. I said water. <laughs> okay. Graciela. Um, I'm gonna take one of the components from water. Is it hydrogen? <laughs> uh it's actually oxygen. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Humans are mostly made of water, and so we have lots of oxygen in us. Yeah. <laughs> Question three. On April 20th, 1759, what German-English composer was reburied in Westminster Abbey? I'm going to go with Handel. That's correct. George Friedrich Handel. It's one of the few German composers I know. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that you mentioned him, uh, Handel's Messiah, on your uh, contestant information oh, yes. sheet. And, Always uh, shout out Handel. <laughs> yeah. Question four. How many electors are there in the Electoral College used to elect the President of the United States every four years? How many electors? I'm going to go with 390. No. Graciela? I was going to say seven, but that seems very off. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <face value>. No. <laughs> uh, no, the, it, there are 538 electors. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. So, so only off by 530. <laughs> fine, so, I'm pre fine. Pretty close. Um, the number comes from the total number of senators plus the total number of members of the House of Representatives plus the three votes awarded to the District of Columbia by the 23rd Amendment. Oh. Uh, yeah. Hmm. And you, that's why you need 270 to win because that's one half would be 269. So 270 would be one more than half. Uh, question five. The, vent uh, the ventricular folds are also known as the false version of what group of throat tissues that, as the name implies, help produce human speech? Your throat tissues, things that are in your throat. Ah, yes, I know them well. I've got them. Yeah, um, you do. They're the throat things, the things in your throat. I, I literally I can't think of a single thing that's in my throat right now. <laughs> Okay, Graciela. Is it your vocal cords? Yeah, vocal cords. I, I still can't even comprehend. <laughs> well, you're using them right now. I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm just, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> okay. Graciela, are you ready for your five questions? Sure. Okay. Yes. Question one. What interstate highway connects Columbia, South Carolina with Charlotte, North Carolina? Good. I drove that the other day. I think it's 71, but I also am probably wrong. Not 71. Cool. Garrett? What are the two places it connects again? Charlotte and Columbia. Mm. I'm going to go with uh, 54. Uh, it was 77. Oh, dang. And then uh, it then continues north all the way to Cleveland. Question two. 
Contrary to popular belief, U.S. law nor industry convention does not require what hard liquor beverage to be produced in Kentucky. Moonshine? No. (laughs) Hear it? It doesn't require it to be produced in Kentucky? Correct. But but Kentucky is synonymous with, with this liquor. So why would they make a law to not? Pre- I got questions after we hear the answer. Is it whiskey, Kentucky whiskey? Um, it's. I, I I think this is a type of whiskey. If I remember correctly, it's called bourbon. Oh gosh, I yeah. knew it was either bourbon or whiskey. Yeah, and it, I think bourbon is a, is a specific type of whiskey. If I remember correctly, um, bourbon can be produced in any U.S. state and be sold and labeled as bourbon. There's there's like a popular belief that because it's so associated with the state of Kentucky that only bourbon that's uh, produced in Kentucky can be labeled as such. Kind of like how technically only um, champagne that comes from the Champagne region of France can actually be labeled as champagne. Otherwise, it's just sparkling wine. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but it's actually not the case for bourbon. It can be brewed anywhere. So there, or distilled anywhere. Anyway, question three. On April 20th, 1986, who scored a record 63 points in an NBA playoff game? Ah, yes. Sports. Mm, Michael Jordan. That's Why? correct. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. And that record still stands today. Um, apologies for the double sports questions, Graciela, but question four. In 2008, who became the first woman to win an Indy car race? I, I really could not tell you. Okay. Like, no, no, like, there's no names whatsoever in the snoggin. Uh, okay, Garrett? It was Graciela. She won the Indy car race. That's crazy. Uh, no, uh, it was, in fact, not Graciela. Um, this is uh, Danica Patrick. Oh, okay. I've yeah. heard the name, but, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's it was, no way it was I was back there. It was back there somewhere. It was probably over here, actually. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, she won the Indy Japan 300. And finally, question five. In 1900, James Weldon Johnson, wanting to write a poem to commemorate Lincoln's birthday, wrote what poem that would later be set to music by his brother, J. Rosamond Johnson? Uh, I do not know. I was going to say Greensleeves, and I know that's wrong. So I'm just, but I, it's the only thing that's coming to no. my head. <laughs> Greensleeves is a tune name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I know. And then what child is this, of course, is the most famous text set to it. But anyway, that's not correct. Uh, Garrett? Uh, Johnson's poem. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, This is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Okay. Well, that's the end of round three. Um, Carter, can you please give us a score update? We have Graciela at 145 and Garrett at 90. All righty. Now it's time for round four. So Carter, can you please uh, tell us the rules? Yes, round four is our showdown where you'll each get three questions, the same three questions worth 40 points each. We'll ask you to write down your answers or otherwise make note of them. All righty, Garrett Graciela, are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready for this comeback here. (laughs) Going down, Graciela. (laughs) Here we go. Question one, Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, led to a nationwide ban on what insecticide? Hey, do we have answers? Garrett? I've got an answer. <laughs> okay, Garrett. 
uh, the famous insecticide, a uh, bug be gone. <laughs> um, Graciela. <laughs> um, I wrote fertilizer, and I know it's not an insecticide, but it's in a garden. So. <laughs> True. Those are in gardens. <laughs> Um, both wonderful answers, um, <laughs> both wrong. Uh, this one is called DDT, and it's it's got a much longer name that I won't attempt to pronounce right now. Um, but DDT, uh, it its ban has been credited in part with the recovery of bald eagle populations in the United States, among other species, and uh, and it's actually banned worldwide now. So there you go. Question two: What was President Ronald Reagan's favorite candy? which he handed out to foreign dignitaries who visited the White House. Do we have answers? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Garrett, what's your, what's your answer? I said Pez. I just think it would be funny if he was just like <laughs> handing out Pez to foreign dignitaries. <laughs> uh, Graciela? See, this is an homage to my father who loves Ronald Reagan and his favorite candy is a take five, but I know that's probably definitely, most definitely the wrong answer. And I also wrote Skittles, but take five is my answer. Uh, no, none of those are correct, unfortunately. Um, he loved jelly beans. Oh. Yeah. All right. And uh, his love of jelly beans was well known. And the Herman Gutlitz Candy Company directly supplied the White House for all eight years of Reagan's presidency. Do you know if he had a specific type of jelly bean he loved? Like, what is the superior one? But I read on the uh, Reagan Library website that his favorite uh, jelly bean flavor was licorice. Oh, which to me kind of seems to depart, de uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, defeat the purpose of eating jelly beans. <laughs> yeah, but you know, to each their own. <laughs> so, who am I to judge? Anyway. <laughs> Finally, question three. Fences, King Hedley II and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom are among the plays in what playwright's Pittsburgh cycle? All right, do we have answers? I think so. Perhaps. Garrett? Uh, for the Pittsburgh cycle, I have the Pittsburgh New Works cycle. No, I was looking for the playwright. Ah, I wasn't going to get that either, so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Graciela? I said August Wilson. I don't it is that. August Wilson. Oh. Yes. Each of the plays is set in a different decade in the 20th century and highlights the African-American experience in the United States. And nine of them are set in the Hill District of Pittsburgh. Well, that's the end of the game. So Carter, can you please give us the final score? We have Garrett with 90 points and Graciela with 185. Well, congratulations, Graciela. You have won. Do you have anything that you would like to say? Um, I'd just like to thank my mom, my dad, and my sister, and also myself for the knowledge that I have today. Um, it's been a real tough time, but it's been fun. <laughs> it's important to give you yourself some self-love. Yeah, yes, so, yes, yeah that's, that's very good. <laughs> Well, that's our show for this week, folks. Thank you, Garrett and Graciela, for being on the show today, as well as Carter Zenke for being our scorekeeper and Mason Cook for composing the music. Today's questions were written by Caitlin Fick, Lucas Hauser, Matthew Hauser, Tanner Tim, Lucas Lemonholm, Mason Cook, and yours truly. And thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to Trivia Over Tea on your preferred podcast platform and leave us a review if you enjoyed it. And check out our Facebook and Instagram pages at Trivia Over Tea, and uh, as well as our Twitter account, also at Trivia Over Tea. 
and we are on YouTube as well, and also Twitch, twitch.tv slash TriviaOverT, if we ever decide to live stream a future episode, which I'm sure we will, but I need to plan more ahead for that. Uh, yeah. And tune in next week, when we'll have two new contestants and 33 more fantastic questions. So thank you. We'll see you next week.